You're listening to Turn On The Jets Live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn On The Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. Super excited to be back again. We got a game tomorrow. I feel like everyone is excited. Steven, how are you feeling, bud? Feeling good, man. Just finished up a uh, baseball practice with my son. Get to come back, talk about Jets football with you, which is always good. But yeah, football's back, man. I mean, it's one of those things where like as you get older, you realize like you want to hang on to as much of summer as, as you possibly can. So it's kind of like a nice ending to summer is that football season's right around the corner. You don't like wish summer away, but you more just have something to look forward to that, you know, in the fact that it is going away. So I'm excited, man, even though. We're not going to see, you know, any pretty much any starters, really, I would assume, uh, tomorrow night. It's still good to be able to watch the Jets back on TV. How you doing, man? How you feeling? I'm doing well, man. I mean, look, it's it feels like forever since we had some Jets football. But, you know, tomorrow's like a glorified scrimmage. I know they're talking about on Badlands today. But, like, what are you most excited about about this game? I feel like you're not going to see any starters, maybe some rookies. But who are you most excited about right now? Yeah, I mean, what I would say, too, is even before you get to the game, like how cool it really is that Revis and Klecko – are going in right like it's one of those things where we all i think everyone that listened to the show right we grew up here with with revis and watching him play but to recognize that we're now at the stage where like watching greatness every sunday and a guy that's a first ballot hall of famer and we got to see him every sunday just how amazing he was on the field what he what he meant to that defense specifically in 09 and 2010 like how good that really was that's kind of awesome so for him to get in for Klecko to get in after all these years, I still remember my dad always used to tell me like how good Joe Klecko really was, how Mark Gassino kind of got all the accolades. But for him to have, uh, I think, 19 sacks the same season that Gassino had 22, like how crazy that was. He was a pro bowler, I think, at three positions at nose tackle, D-tackle, defensive end. Like So credit to those guys, and that's going to be awesome to see. When you get to the game, obviously, like we said, you're not going to see uh, a lot of starters, if any, but – Really, I think what I'm most excited to see is kind of those young guys step up and perform. Obviously, you want the cliche. You don't want anybody injured. That's the biggest thing you want to come out of this game with is, is no injuries. But seeing the young guys come out and do something. So, you know, Jason Brownlee kind of making those highlight catches in camp. You want to see how he performs. Xavier Gibson, guys like that, to see if he could stick. Uh, the other offensive weapons, you want to see Izzy get some touches and see if he's got kind of that lightning quick speed and, and how that translates to NFL action. Um, and the other guys, you know, you want to see how the offensive line holds up, I think. I think uh, we talked last week about it. You, you feel better about the offensive line depth this year. We'll see how the starters actually come together, but you feel better about the depth. Let's see again how they hold up in a, in a game uh, in a game scenario. So that's kind of my, my quick hitters, man. How are you feeling? What are you thinking about tomorrow night? Yeah, you touched on a lot of it, and I think Becton is really intriguing. I know he's only going to play a couple snaps, maybe like 20 to 25 snaps, but think about it. Like, this was a guy, when you go back three years ago, we all were super excited to watch him play. He was like the one thing that was like giving us hope as Jeff fans during a miserable 2020 season. No fans. They, you know, they won two games. They ended up losing out of the first pick, and that's how we ended up with Zach and this, how we got to Rodgers, which is crazy when you think about all the different things that led up to, led to this point. But look. I know that he's definitely behind in the competition to play on the left side and he's like refusing to play on the right side. But at the same time, I'm hoping that he could be something and like what that is. I don't know. He could be the swing tackle. Maybe he plays his way into a job. Look, Dwayne Brown's 38 years old. You want somebody who you feel confident about going in if someone were to go down and look, the NFL injuries happen every single week. So if Becton is anything, you know, it's a huge win. And I, I've been joking that, the bar is so low for him. Just get to week two of the season, and then you've seriously cleared the bar. I mean, like, I hate saying that, but it's really how I feel. 
Um, but also Izzy, man, I think Izzy is a guy that could like, you know, light up the preseason for the Jets because he's a young player. He's not getting a lot, a ton of work with the ones, but this is his time to shine his time to show the coaching staff what he can do. And, you know, we don't really know what the timetable is for Brees to get activated off the PUP list. And I think he brings the dynamic that Brees does as a home run hitter where, you know, Michael Carter and Bam do not. Um, but for me, that's that's the guy, man. I'm, I'm excited. And I know Brownlee's been a highlight machine so far. That catch was unbelievable. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But is there any other, you know, closing thoughts about the game that you're curious about? No, I mean, as you think more about it, I think the one outstanding thing would be, but you're really, you're not going to see it because they're playing against backups, but really how the linebacking core outside of, because uh, really you're going to see, you're not going to see Mosley or Quincy Williams. So seeing how now that we know that Quan is in Pittsburgh and that the, you know, the the chances of him obviously to sign with the Jets are gone, you feel like the Jets feel that the coaching staff feels pretty comfortable with guys like Nasrul Dean and Sherwood stepping in. So keeping an eye on them and how they hold up, because that's, I think, the one thing that you're really fearful of on this on the starting defense is really linebacker depth. Um, so seeing how they perform and how they hold up, I think, is probably the last nugget that I'm interested in, uh, in taking a look at tomorrow night. Yeah, agreed. So we're going to transition to another topic because, you know, Injuries are part of the game. And, you know, when everybody heard that Garrett Wilson went down with an ankle injury, everybody, you know, was freaking out, panicking. Turns out it's not so bad. But do you have any concern about his ankle? To me, and I'm just going off of what I've heard and really just the video, it seems like he's going to be good. I think Sala said the other day that he's going to be back on the practice field on Saturday. Do you have any concerns or do you think it's just like a little nick? I think it's just a little nick. I think he's to the point where, you know, you, you can be cautious with him because I just think he's that good of a player. It's just one of those things that's just unfortunate, man. Like you and I were literally talking about last Wednesday when we recorded how big of a leap we could expect from him in year two. And we were sitting there saying like, as a Jets fan, you always hold your breath because you're waiting for the, whatever that thing is to take the wind out of your sails. And sure, sure enough, I think it was Thursday that he, Every you know, time. he gets it, he, he rolls his ankle <laughs> and that's just, that's, that's how it goes as a Jets fan. So uh, to answer your question, no, I'm not concerned with it. I think he'll be back and practicing. I think it's a rolled ankle. Every athlete has experienced this. It just is one of those things that's just unfortunate. Like it sucks that it's happened. No guy has been having a better camp than than Garrett Wilson. Um, and the fact that he's gelling so well with Aaron Rodgers, like it's unfortunate that he's missing that time. I hope that he's still getting it, obviously, in meetings and film room and all stuff like that. But um, missing time on the practice field, obviously, is the biggest concern there. But no, from the injury standpoint, I'm not concerned. I'm sure he's going to be back out there before uh, – before we know it, and I I particularly like the cautious approach, um, obviously, with a guy like him as opposed to rushing him back. Totally agree. I think just, you know, keep him as you know comfortable as possible. He doesn't need to re-aggregate that. He's a skinny guy, and it's something that, you know, you worry about for guys, you know, just like that. I feel like he doesn't have an injury history, but it's just something to be careful with. Um, for me, though, I think, you know, you have to remember the Jets have also had two weeks of practice where every, every team besides the Browns have only had one. So he's had a ton of work with Rodgers up until this point. True. So as you know, as much as I want him to get that work in and develop that chemistry, which I think is going to take time, I think if they do get off to a little bit of a slow start offensively, it should not come to a surprise for anybody. But I do think over time that relationship is going to just blossom. And I think Rodgers will and him will be clicking once the season starts. Um, I want to transition to Dalvin Cook because that was something that we talked about last week a lot. I remember, you know, before, you know, when we did our show that I was not as optimistic that he was going to sign. And then obviously they're all like, you know, the little tea leaves. Everyone was connecting and he had the visit. He was on Good Morning Football. And then there were all the reports. It's very likely 
now, you know, we're, what are we, like five days since that uh, initial visit? It doesn't seem as likely to me. And do you think it's possible he's playing us just like other free agents in the past, which suck? I think it's very possible. I think, you know, from the onset, like where there's smoke, there's fire. You kind of know he's a, I think he's a South Florida guy. So clearly I think Miami is probably his number one destination. You factor in the Florida thing, yeah. no state taxes, like all that stuff. And that's what it's going to come, going to come down to is money. Right. So obviously I think the chances that he is playing the jets are, are likely, but I do think in the end money talks. And if this truly is, I mean, you also can't discount the chance to play for obviously a quality team. And with Aaron Rodgers, who's a hall of fame quarterback, like that's going to be the draw here. The, the money's obviously got to be right. So I don't know where I land is probably, you know, 50, 50. I mean, we've been played before. I don't think it's make or break though. If, if, if this ends up happening great, because and we said it last week, like, I do believe that if Dalvin Cook was on this roster, he's the second most talented running back in the running back room, right? He's uh, behind, I don't even think behind it's debatable. It, yeah, it's it's not debatable. Behind a healthy Brees Hall, he's the second best running back. At the same time, if he's not in that room, you still feel confident and feel comfortable with the guys that you have. So it's not going to completely break me. I will say, though, that if he does get to Miami and the Jets end up having to play him twice a year, as my look at my nice Jets banner just fell behind me against the <laughs> sloppy tape job there. Um, Better than but my if no he, background it, right now. Exactly. <laughs> if he does get to Miami um, and playing him twice a year, that's obviously a lot worse. And I think they overall they have uh, obviously a lot of speed, um, both at the wide receiver core and obviously in the running back room with guys like Mostert. Like adding that dimension, that does suck. But it's you know again, it would be nice to have, but it's not going to make or break me if they don't get it. Agreed. And listen, I want him. I'm not one of those people. It's like you know he's washed up. Blah blah blah. I think anytime you can add talent to, you know, a position group that gets hurt very easily in the NFL, you do it every single time. I know he's got obviously a lot of miles on him between college and the NFL as a bell cow. But to me, like if the money's right, obviously I'm not saying to pay him like that leaked report of nine million dollars a year for two years. That's no way that's ever happening, like mm -hmm. especially with the depreciate, like how much you know running backs have depreciated in the market. Like Saquon was having trouble getting to $11 million. There's yeah. no way the Jets are offering that. That was the most ludicrous report I've ever seen. I, if it was even a report, I think it was somebody like this, like ML footballs or one of those aggregators who put it out there. So no, don't buy into that. It was like something that I saw. I'm like this. No one should be giving this any any legs. Yeah, but. and there's there's there was reports from Craig Carton too that Plaxico Burris is saying that it's it's down to the Dolphins and Cowboys. The Jets are out or whatever. Like, but then you see that like you know two minutes later, Dalvin Cook is is liking and putting a green heart you know around a, a comment from Aaron Rodgers about yeah. potentially playing with him. So there's going to be all sorts of stories. I think just as a Jets fan, like that's how you know. How you and I feel is how we should feel. Like you're comfortable with where you're at. Obviously, if, if you have a chance to add a guy with his talent level, you'd want to do it. But it's not going to be completely detrimental if they don't do it. Agreed. So if they don't do that, which, you know, anything could happen in the next couple of days, maybe it lingers a little bit more into August. Who's someone that you think the Jets should target? Because we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show. I think they are very thin at linebacker. I wrote about it on my piece. I was watching the linebackers when I was there a couple of weeks ago. Who's somebody you think they should target? Doesn't necessarily have to be a linebacker, but somebody you think that would be ideal for them based on how the roster is currently constructed. Yeah, honestly, I mean, you and I were kind of spitballing a little bit before the show. Really, where my mind goes is to backup quarterback because I just yeah. I can't really trust Zach Wilson, and it's it's hard to say. But if Aaron Rodgers does go down for a game or two or three, like, do you really trust Zach Wilson to come in and, and win and go two and one or, or you know, really, I, I, I he beat the Bills last year. <laughs> he, he did, but 
you know, that was when that was well before like the wheels fell off. Cause when the wheels did fall off, I mean, we were, you got to remember that we were rooting for Strevler to come in in that Jackson. I, I can't get that out of my mind. And that's one of those things like, listen, I still, you know, maybe Zach Wilson can clean the slate. Maybe he can erase everything and start fresh and, and do this. And hopefully this is a chance for him to reset at the same time. I know what I saw yeah. at the tail end of last year and that scares the life out of me. So really a guy like Teddy Bridgewater that you know could come in and run the offense and at least be a steady Eddie. I think that gives me a lot more confidence than having a guy like Zach Wilson have to come in in a, in a must win situation or, you know, in a two or three game stretch and pull out a couple of W's for you. So that's immediately where my mind goes is to back up quarterback. And I think Teddy Bridgewater would kind of be the perfect, uh, the perfect guy to put behind Aaron. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good option. I know that we've talked about him for you know in the offseason before Rogers even on the team. Former Jet Arnold, Teddy Bridgewater, right? <laughs> former Jet. <laughs> Does he like so technically when you think about it, when you look at his Wikipedia page, it says Jets with the asterisk, which means like only like off-season yeah. uh, training camp body, which is funny because he never got cut. He wasn't one of those guys that was like way because he was injured, it was just because they traded him with smartly yeah. so because you know they got what what they got for him? Like a, was a third round pick. A yeah, third? That, was, that may have been McCagnan's best move. <laughs> like signing Teddy Bridgewater in the offseason to flip him for a third before the season. Top five yeah. McCagnan move, definitely. I don't mean to steal your thunder. Please proceed. No, well, you know, Quinton Williams is, believe it or not, the best McCagnan move. True. It has to be. Very true. I mean, he's I, literally right. one of the top three interior defensive linemen. Granted, like, yeah. it's it seemed like that he was just kind of going with the, the consensus there. But, um, yeah, I think Teddy Bridgewater would make a ton of sense. For me – this might get some heat. I don't really care because I still think they're thin at linebacker. Somebody like Miles Jack or maybe even someone like Zach Cunningham. I just want a veteran body, someone who has experience. Not to say that Sherwood or, you know, Nasruddin or even maybe Zaire Barnes who's a rookie can't play their way into the job. But I just want someone that I know has started in NFL defense before. And those are two guys who are available currently that they wouldn't have to give a lot of money to. It could be like a million dollars, whatever it may be. And if they stink, you just cut them on cut day. It doesn't really matter. I just think they need some depth and experience in that room because if Mosley or Quincy goes down, it's really scary to think about how easy teams are going to target them in the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. So I think if you could get someone to play linebacker, it'd be great. But backup quarterback is, I think, viable as well. I think, you know, we just have to be careful because, you know, we're one Aaron Rodgers hit away from Zach Wilson being the starter again. And then we're all going to go back into our Twitter discourse. Zach, is that good? He sucks. Do we all give up on him? Most of us have given up on him, but you never know with this reset. But I'm I'm a little scared. <laughs> yeah, as, as am I. And I think it's it's one of those things like you know Sala said uh, we're going to keep him in bubble wrap and and this stuff. And honestly, that didn't really hold true to what he said. So I'm honestly kind of surprised that they're not giving him like a true a true reset and like not just the off season, but almost for a season to have him be a third string and have another guy come in ahead of him. So that's just one of those things where, listen, as happy as I am that we got Aaron Rodgers, hopefully we never even have to see the, the, the backup quarterback. But it's still one of those things that definitely makes me nervous because, listen, even some of the – go back to some of the, the best, uh, you know, Jets seasons, like a backup quarterback had to come in for a game or two. I think back to, to 04 with Chad. They had to have Quincy Carter come in. I think Quincy Carter went two and one. Go back to 09 with Mark Sanchez. Kellen Clemens came in and won a game. Now, granted, that was, you know, the number one defense and rushing attack in the league. But still, there was always those viable options where they were able to come in and do it. A lot of times, this is the NFL. Like, people are going to get hurt when you have a 38, 39-year-old quarterback. It's more likely to happen than when they're 26, 27. So, it's just one of those things. I, I, you know, it still doesn't keep me up at night. It makes me nervous, <laughs> though. Definitely. Yeah. 
So uh, we actually had a question in the comments about someone who might potentially flash in the preseason who could end up being a contributor. I said Zaire Barnes in a, in a comment back, but I think we got to talk about Jason Brownlee because he seems to be the guy that's making you know waves in training camp. Uh, I know Joe Cotter talked about how Schefter posted his one-handed Odell Beckham-like catch, but this is a guy that if you listen to Badlands or you follow any of us, you know he everyone's been on this guy for a long time specifically connor because like udfas are like his you know passion project finding the guys who maybe people are overlooking that could potentially be nfl contributors but this guy like he's playing his way onto the roster i know he has to translate that into a preseason game i know he landed on his arm after making that spectacular catch but like that catch was unbelievable. Like, when mm-hmm. was the last time you saw a guy who was like unheralded make a play like that in Jets camp? Because I can't remember. No, neither can I. But clearly, Brownlee's making a name for himself. And you, like you said, he yeah. is playing his way onto this roster. And this is kind of perfect scenario for him, where obviously I think the coaching staff saw in him what the potential and what he could be. And that made them feel confident to trade a guy like Denzel Mims to, to Detroit, right? So if he does find his way onto this roster, and I think, you know, listen, the Jets wide receiver core, you feel pretty good about it, right? One to four, one to five. Obviously, no Randall Cobb's going to have his spot, but that five, six, you know, receiver spot is truly up for grabs. But right now, Brownlee's got the, uh, I think he's got the the edge, um, you know, on anybody else for it. And good for him. And you like to see this. You like to see UDFAs come up and, uh, you know, make a name for themselves and, and, and work their way onto the team and do it by performing. And that's, you know, that's what we saw with Robbie Anderson. You know, he was a guy, right? He came out and he impressed. And in his rookie season, he found ways to get, get himself on the field. And next thing you know, he's a starter and he's doing, you know, really big things for us. So this could be uh, kind of the next Robbie Anderson, next guy like that. Yeah. Look, you never know. And Robbie ended up being a pretty good jet. I know he was very hot and cold at times, but you never know. He was so, boomer bust. Yeah. But at least, I mean, I think, what top season for the Jets? He had like 950 yards and how many touchdowns? Whatever it was. Uh, he, I'm not sure. Yeah, but he he played. You know, he played well for for UDFA. Like you know, that's um that's that's, really that's a return on investment that you'll take Absolutely. any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, we got a question from Famous Jay on the stream. Are you guys going to Canton to see Flacco oh. Ravens inducted to the Hall of Fame? I'll be there. So. <laughs> I will not be there. Steve will not be there, but I am jealous because that's going to be a hell of a time. Famous Jay, enjoy that. I, I'm seriously jealous because Revis is my favorite Jet of all time. I feel like anyone who is a, a millennial Jets fan or even maybe even younger, they all think of Revis the think of all-time Jets. So that mm-hmm. would be really cool to see. Steven, how jealous are you of this guy? <laughs> I'm very jealous. Honestly, I have to admit, like I still haven't been to Canton, which is something that I definitely want to do. That's a that's a bucket list thing for me. And I think uh, Same obviously, here. if if you know, I would assume it's that way for a lot of football fans, let alone Jets fans. But if you are a Jets fan, that's this is the perfect time to go, man. So good for you and enjoy it. And definitely uh, write back to us and let you know how let us know how it is. Yeah, we want to hear about it because I've heard Ken's amazing. It's definitely something I want to see. I actually saw a video before we went live on the stream showing Rogers, like looking at, I think it was one of his jerseys that's in there from something, one of the records he said. That must be like the coolest thing to see. And think about it because Rogers, like obviously is going to make it in as a player one day, but it's just to see something. That's, that's incredible, man. I can't even imagine what was going yeah. through his mind when he was seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, I want to move towards the NFL top 100 because it it always seems since like the, these lists were coming out, I guess it's been about 10 years now. Not many Jets are making them, but this is not the case going into 2023. So we had Garrett Wilson, who I think was the highest, I was the lowest. We had CJ Mosley. We had Quentin Williams. We had Sauce Gardner. We had Aaron Rodgers. 
are any of those, you know, I think Rogers was 51. I know Quinnen was, I think, in the 30s. I can't remember. Garrett was 84. Um, Sauce was 23. And, and Mosley was in the 40s. Which one of those caught your eye the most? Uh, it's a tough question. First of all, Sauce being at 23, right? Is that where he was? 23? Sauce? Yes. So Sauce being at 23 as a after his rookie season, like obviously that's incredible and and just uh, it's awesome and it speaks to how good of a season he really had and how amazing of a you know uh, a first round pick he actually was. So to be in that category after year one is just awesome. The other thing and the bigger thing that caught my eye is Aaron. There's not 50 players that are better than Aaron Rodgers in this league. No way. Like Kirk there, there's, not better than Aaron Rodgers. there's just not. So like I. I love how we just like call this such a down year for him in 2022. Like, yeah, okay. A down year for Rogers, but still like I, so that's the one thing that really, I think got me, but I'm happy that there's that many jets on the list. I think Garrett Wilson is right where he should be. I think CJ Mosley obviously is a, is a great player and, and he should be where he, uh, where he was. And then Quinnen, obviously, I think Quinnen kind of solidified himself as the best D tackle, not named Aaron Donald. So him being in the thirties, I think is good. But my biggest takeaway was, man, there, there are not 50, there's no way you can convince me. There are not 50 players that are better than Aaron Rodgers in this league. I mean, look, Rogers is not the only one where it was confusing. Like seeing Justin Fields ahead of Trevor Lawrence was ridiculous. Like, give me know. a break. How like, does that no, happen? It, but it's it's players. It's not media. I know. And, well, think about the whole thing with the New York media with Sauce, like overwriting everybody in the Revis thing. Clearly, yeah. the players think Sauce is that guy too. Like yeah. everyone's saying he's a dog. He's the real deal. Like he's he's a top three corner in the league. You mm-hmm. could you could make the arguments about Jalen Ramsey because of the resume he's been playing longer. You can make the arguments about Patrick Sertain who has a year more experience, and obviously he's great. I think they're going to be the two best corners in the league for the next Agreed. decade, considering they're both in year two and year three. But like to me, like everyone's just got to stop. It's Sauce is that good. Like PFF, whoever would always would joke about the Jets how they never give the Jets the benefit of the doubt. They rated him as the best corner in the league. Like yeah. he literally is rated by them. So like. We we need to stop with the sauce slander. It's not it's not Jeff Ends. It's coming from elsewhere, but it's just ridiculous. There's no bias. He's that good of a player. Just watch him out on the Sunday. I promise you. Yep. Um, but I think the Rogers thing is insane. Like, look, I get it. He had the down year, like you said, but he's he's still incredible. Still like, it, think about the the Sandow quarterback queer, uh, quarterback tier. Excuse me. That came out the other day. He was number five. People run the league, whether it was coaches, executives, whatever it may be. They all still think he's great. Obviously, yeah. he's not, you know, the number two or number three guy, but he's still top five after a down year. They know he had a broken thumb. They know the supporting cast wasn't great. But, like, to me, like, I, I just – I don't understand. I, I get it. He's old, and that's the big thing. Like, you know, how much of a drop-off. The arm talent is still there. He's still mobile. He's not as mobile as he used to be, but he's still able to move around to get out of trouble, and that's something mm-hmm. that Zach Wilson – was not able to do to the best of his abilities because he would always run backwards, which would drive me crazy. But Rodgers, and then I think everyone just needs to stop with this stuff. I know. Um, it's 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 tough, man. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you got to um, peel it back and just say that we got to be happy that this many Jets are on the list. And finally, we could talk about having a good football team with good football players that actually make the NFL top 100, right? Yeah. And be happy yeah. about that. I, I agree. Um, think about the Jets having a top five quarterback in the Sando uh, quarterback tiers. That's that's something I never thought would ever happen. Mm-hmm. So we have that. Um, 
I do want to move on to another thing that dominated the headlines last week with, you know, Sean Payton making those comments about Nate Hackett, but also about the Jets, you know, being the it team for, for lack of a better phrase, because they're on hard knocks, all distraction. I think Salah handled it really well. I know some people were be like, he kind of came off like a little cocky, but like he has a point. Like if, if you don't have haters, you're clearly not popping. And like, listen, the Jets got to put it on the field. They haven't done a thing yet. I get all that. But that defense was popping last year. Everybody knows that. They're, as long as they stay healthy, things are going to be great. But I love how Rodgers approached it. He was like, get your, get your, uh, get my coach's name out of your mouth. Kind of took one out of Will Smith's book from the Oscars. <laughs> and even Hackett, who was just saying he broke the code. I thought they handled it perfectly. They, and I know people were like, why are they talking about this? They're being asked about it. They're not going out of their way. Like the media is asking about it. Like I saw Fred Sessa tweeted that how they all should shut up. Like if they, they would never have went out of their way if people didn't ask about it. I can guarantee you because they don't care and they just want to, you know, practice for the greater goal, which is to win a Super Bowl. What do you what do you think about the reaction here? So I'll first address Sean Payton's comments. Like I really, I I disagree with this wholeheartedly, and I don't I don't like it. And he did break kind of the cardinal, like he did the cardinal sin, right? He broke the golden yeah. rule. You don't talk about the guy that preceded you. You just you simply don't. What I will say too is that I've listened to you know analysts and and people like that make comments about this, and like the one that's that stood out to me was Mina Kime saying in response to what Roger said was like. She was like, I don't really understand how Sean Payton bad-mouthing Nathaniel Hackett sets him up for failure or sets him up with a, with a fallback option. Well, it's like, well, obviously it does because if you talk about how bad the guy did previously, you're basically alluding to how much of a mess you have to clean up. So if you come out and you don't perform in your first year as head coach, that's why. And you can blame that. You could say, listen, I have, you know, this is why, because I had this huge mess that I had to clean up when I got here. And that's why we didn't come out and make the playoffs because I had to do all this. Right. So that's my first thing. I have a serious problem with Sean Payton. And that's why he did it was to lay the groundwork in case he doesn't succeed from everyone else's comments. Sala, I know Lazard made comments. I know Randall Cobb made comments. I, I, I like them all. I think you come to your guys' defense. They were asked about it. They're not going out of their way to say this. They should say that. I love what Salah said. It, you know, listen, if it's a good thing if people are talking about you because that means that you mean something. They're looking forward to this week five game. Going to the Rodgers thing, absolutely perfect. He said time and time again, whether it was the McAfee show, whether it was anywhere else, Nathaniel Hackett's one of his favorite human beings on the planet. Of course, he should come to his defense. He's a friend. He's his offensive coordinator. He came here. Everyone knows what happened in Denver, but now he's the OC of the Jets. Come to the guys back, and I can't wait until they go to Denver to play them week five, man. It's going to be electric. Yeah, did you see the whole thing, how that week, coincidentally, is the first week that games could be flexed into Sunday Night Football? There it is. I know that – I think it's – um, it might be Cowboys 49ers, I think, is the game, which would be hard to you know think that they would actually would take be. that game out. The only way I could probably see it is that there's maybe an injury to one of the quarterbacks in the maybe. game. So, like, maybe if it's, like, Sam Darnold playing against Dak or whatever, yeah. or Cooper Rush playing against Brock Curry, you're like, all right, let's get a little bit of pizzazz putting the Jets the Broncos in there. Because, essentially, there's a rivalry now. I mean, listen, the Jets have a target in their back now. They're a team that people are talking about. They, I, I get it. They're – it's – I hate to give this attention, but that whole thing with like Warren Sharp saying how the Jets are being shoved down their throats. I, I understand his perspective because they're getting all these national games. Mm -hmm. They're getting a lot of attention in the media, but that's, that's what comes there. And Rogers think about how much he's dominated the headlines, you know, with green Bay, how he was thinking about retiring and that the relationship yeah. wasn't great for the last few years. 
But that's just what it comes with it. He's an all-time player. He comes to the biggest media market in the world. That's what's going to happen. And you know what? The Jets didn't want hard knocks. I think people forget this. It's like they were pushing back until as far as they could, like to the last possible second. Typically with hard knocks, they'd always announce like who was on the, like going to be on the show, like a a month or two before uh, training camp opened. They announced it, what, like a week before the Jets reported. If that, it's just like the Jets didn't want all this attention. It's just being brought to them. And that's part of being in New York. So I, I just think, Anyone who thinks that they're like, you know, trying to, you know, I guess like pull a Rex and like, you know, pump their chest or whatever. They're not trying to do that. I, and then I heard the Dalvin Cook thing about the sit in the super team, which that that pissed me off. Like, I don't want any talk of that. Like, just like if you're going to come here, man, come here and just play and don't make any stupid comments like that. But the Jets are not looking for this. Like, they're yeah. not. I, so any narrative that people have that's saying that they are, it's just false. It, I, I hate it. <laughs> Well said, man. Well said. Sorry, I had a little rant about this. Because no, I like it. I think I think you're right. I think, you know, the Jets didn't ask for this. It's it's. I, I guess you could say that they did because they brought a Hall of Fame quarterback to the biggest media market in the world, right? But everything that's happened after that, that, that was a football decision. That wasn't anything else. Like Aaron Rodgers gives you the best chance to win a Super Bowl. Everything else that's happened has been driven by the media and has been pushed onto them. So for all this attention and all that, like that's everyone else is making that noise. The Jets are simply responding to it. Keep this as simple as it is. Sean Payton made some shitty comments and the Jets coaching staff and Aaron Rodgers, who is the best friend or, you know, one of the best friends of the OC that he made the shitty comments about responded. That's all that it is. I don't typically believe in bulletin board material and that stuff, but you can, I'll start believing in it because they're going to have that, that date marked. The only thing you can hope is that they don't like lose sight of the four games before it focusing on week five. Yeah. (laughs) They're they're not going to forget about it, believe me, and they're not going to forget about the New England stuff either. That, that I'm hoping not. that they they see everything that happened, know how close they were in those games, that they should have won those games. Um, the one thing that's also been you know kind of been topic of conversation with Rogers, and I saw it in the Sando article, was that they're like, oh, he's going to be playing on turf. Like, how much could his body hold up? So one thing I wanted to get across, and I think we talked about this a lot, you know, earlier in the off season, I think probably like February, March, right before he came to the team or at least announces that just become the team is like people say that they're set up to fail. I know Bleacher Report put out an article like teams set to disappoint. I like if it doesn't work for whatever reason, and it seems like it's going to be more than one year, maybe be three years. It sounds like two at the minimum based on all the comments he's made. But again, he said it's, it's contingent on how his body feels. If it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I can't ever get on the Jets for doing this because they had no other option. So I've, I was cool with Derek Carr, but only if Aaron Rodgers wasn't a possibility, which clearly he was because he decided he wanted to play here. But to me, if it doesn't work, how different is our life that it's already been as a Jet fan? Not, it's not different at all. We're like, okay, no. this happens. You have to take the swing. They did take the swing. He He's motivated. The team loves him. He's been leading by example. He's been trying to make sure everybody is you know hearing him in practices i think the coolest thing is how you know if a guy makes a play on defense or whatever mm-hmm. and he beats him he will talk to the guy after play and explain to him what they're doing wrong or what like how, what to look for from other quarterbacks like that when was the last time the jets have had a presence like that maybe like a josh mccown and josh mccown is not aaron Rodgers. he had a good year and i think we have to give him credit because that 2017 they were like sneaky frisky like yeah. a team that we had Absolutely no expectations for. I thought that they would probably go like one in 15. That was what I thought going to see because like 
it was the intention was clear. They were like tanking for the 2018 class yeah. when you know everything would have been great if they just would have took Patrick Mahomes over Jamal Adams. But it's another conversation for another day. <laughs> but my point is, is that if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I I can't fault them. The team is built in a in a great way. They had this opportunity. Hopefully, you know, it leads to something good. But I I can never fault them, and I I hate the narrative of like. They're set up to fail. He's going to bail on them. If off the wheels go falling off, if they do, they do. We've seen it time and time again. Yeah, this is a rare occurrence where you have a roster that's ready to win without a quarterback, and we saw it time and time again last year. Right? I mean, this team went seven and ten with nobody at quarterback, and they did it with smoke and mirrors and and mediocre quarterback play through you know the first what nine ten weeks. And that's how they were able to do it and get themselves to seven and four. But then we saw the wheels fall off the last six weeks of the season. So you, yeah, you, you have a roster that is young, but that is talented and that can clearly compete. You go out and if you have a chance to get a hall of fame quarterback, that you can add to your roster. You absolutely do that. You take that shot a hundred times out of a hundred and don't let anyone else tell you different like that. That was it. They were a quarterback away. Woody Johnson, after the season, said, we need to get a veteran quarterback in here. Robert Sala said it. Joe Douglas said it. And guess what? Aaron Rodgers became available. You shoot your shot, and you absolutely do it. It was 100% the right move. And I don't want to, like, get away from this – but I'm sorry. I didn't hear the – was it – the comments were something about Aaron Rodgers playing on turf? Yeah. Like, what – I mean, the guys played in the NFC North where he plays against Detroit and Minnesota – away every well, year like what is, what is the 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 because, fear of turf well the metlife turf has been reportedly cursed about the 49ers apparently oh, when Salah was on that step but like let's not get that, real listen i i can't I know you didn't make the comments but like let's i didn't, listen on. it was something somebody said because he only played four games on turf last year and now he's gonna play a lot more but like most teams play on turf. Yes, yeah. there's teams that play on grass like they did in Lambeau. They do in certain cities. But, like, I, yeah, I didn't really is. understand what the point of that was. I, I think it's just um, someone trying to – All the know. reasons that Aaron Rodgers could potentially fail, uh, the MetLife heard turf of is, <laughs> is low on the totem pole of that one for me. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, fine. to sum this up, listen, I don't uh, – yeah, haters are going to hate, man. They're going to find any – possible thing they can to cut the jets down and tell you why Aaron Rodgers and the jets are going to fail and why this was a bad idea. Bottom line is you had a chance to get a hall of fame quarterback on a roster that was ready to win. Now that didn't have a quarterback. You have to take that shot without a chance or I'm sorry, without a doubt. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Uh, I digress, but uh, <laughs> I want to, uh, I want to do our final segment of the show, which yes. is a fun one because it's more nostalgic. And I know you are the king of Jets nostalgia. You can talk about Jets nostalgia. <laughs> three, three season nostalgia is something. I don't know, man. We haven't <laughs> talked about this one yet. I know this is a fun one because you know, the preseason is always a time where there's somebody every season that you you guys, everyone gets excited about because they make some plays, you know, in the fourth quarter of a meaningless game when they're playing against guys who are never going to play in the NFL. But who are some of your favorite all-time preseason legends? I think Danny Woodhead is one for me, and it sucked that he got away to New England, but ultimately we were the last ones laughing that season when we beat them <laughs> in the divisional round. He was a great one. I mean, Robbie Anderson – um, Jalen Marshall, Stravi last year, but who are some of your favorites? The the two that really and preseason is like camp too, right? That, like that's all encompassing, not just in the preseason games, but in camp. But there's a couple that really stick out to me. One we mentioned before the show, Ryan Spadola. 
I remember big six three, yeah, big six three wide receiver. I forget. I want to say he like came out of Washington State. He was like a, I think so. No, he's from like Wagner. He's like a local kid. Wagner? He's from someone. This, uh, I'm looking this up there. Up. Somebody in the chat or anybody like, where did he come from? But either way, I was like partially heartbroken when he didn't make the roster. Like I really thought he was going to do it. He was impressing left and right in camp. Um, the other one is David Clowney. Like, oh my gosh, did he have some games oh, the in, in preseason? <laughs> and then, you know, I, I immediately, my mind went to, uh, I said, Brett Rippon before the show, we were talking about, it, it was actually Brett Ratliff. Like I thought he could be the He was in the coming. Sanchez trade. Do you remember he that? Was in the Sanchez trade. Yeah. And then the other thing is like, how can you honestly have this conversation without mentioning Wayne Corbett? Like for him, I mean, the true goat, Wayne Corbett, of drafted free agents. I mean, Hofstra. Played his way onto that 95 team with with uh, Rich Kotite and then ultimately became, you know, really one of the greatest Jets ever. Um, you can't have this conversation without mentioning good old Wayne, who was just – Wayne, no gloves, Corbett. I mean, just unbelievable. Just a true warrior out there. And, uh, and yeah, so those are some of my favorites. Spadola, Clowney, Ratliff was good. Um, I want to say Matt Flynn was another one. That came but he in. wasn't good though, and then the he was good in the preseason for them. He came in and, and was slinging it, and I remember thinking, "Hey, Matt Flynn may still have something here." Who? I mean, this is when we were just in quarterback I, I, purgatory. Is like <laughs> <laughs> that is really like dressing it up. Um, but you know, you, you cling on to anything that you see for some hope for like the quarterback of the future. That's why I think I was like, "Man, why are they trading for Mark? Why are they trading this pick to get Mark Sanchez? Brett Ratliff could be the next guy. Who knows?" Man, show us how dumb I was. But anyway, yeah. go ahead, dude. Who, who are yours? Well, I looked it up. Ryan Spittle went to Lehigh. I would never have guessed that. Lehigh. I know. I well, I, I, man, Washington State, I must just be thinking, like, <laughs> white wide receiver's got to be Cooper Cup. Like, that. you know what I mean? That's it. I think he's Eastern Washington, Cooper Cup. But I think here's right. one that, that came to mind that is so random that people were like, how did you think of this guy? Andrew Fernie, kicker. With the game winner one year, it probably was about like six years ago. I think it was right before they had Cat and Zero. I think it was like right after Falk was cut. They brought Andrew him in and stopped Andrew Fernie. He hit wow. a game winner in one of the preseason games. I remember I and Eagle on the call. That was a good one, but ultimately he never did anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of any other good ones. Um, I remember I mentioned this. I don't think he was like a great, but Marcus Teosopo, he was a guy yep. who the Raiders and the Jets. Um, the one that went against the Jets was Victor Cruz. And then yeah. ultimately he ended up hurting us in the regular season as well. But mm-hmm. that's like one memory that I always had. Um, I, I can't really think of any other good ones, but if anyone in the comments, we'll talk about them. If you guys <laughs> comment on those guys, but uh, any, any closing thoughts as we head into the hall of fame game, preseason game one for this New York Jets season. Just uh, everyone stay healthy. That's, that's the biggest thing. Uh, Back up, stay healthy. Like we need the depth. Um, but hey, it's it's football's back. It's exciting to uh to be able to see the Jets and watch them again. I'm truly excited. Um, and then yeah, we got a month left till the season kicks off, man. I mean, we're already in August. Football is back in full swing. This is uh this is good. It's a good time to be a Jets fan. And I uh I'm excited for everything that rolls around. Let's just keep everyone healthy throughout these next uh few preseason games and obviously through the next uh, you know, four or whatever weeks of uh, of training camp we got left. Yep. I agree. I think just keep those the positive vibes going all the way through September. You know, cross our fingers for health. You want to make sure, you know, we don't have anybody significant go down. Um, but yeah, let's just enjoy the ride, man. I think it's just fun. Yeah. You know, it's it's we haven't lost the game yet. And even if they lose all, all the preseason games, it doesn't matter. It only matters yeah. on starting September 11th when they play the Bills, and then we'll go from there. 
Uh, quick programming update as we will be having Brian Cassell of New York Post. Uh, second time on the show. Unfortunately, the first time it was just me when uh, Russo was recovering, but super excited to have him on. He'll give us an update from Carolina next week when they travel there for joint practices. Um, but yeah, that's going to be fun. And I'm sure you guys have heard about this watch party that I will be attending. It's going to be super fun in the city on August 26th, Jets, Giants, open bar. I think it's $65 for open bar and appetizers. Make sure to check it out. I'll be there. Connor, Joe, uh, Dalvin, uh, Dan, I think a few others, Meeks as well. It should be a great time. So definitely check that out. Um, make sure if you're not subscribed already to subscribe to our show, whether it's on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Badlands TOJ on the Apple or Spotify or even Amazon feeds. Just search Turn on the Jets Live. You also can tune into the show on Twitter from my account every week. Um, but yeah, we appreciate all the support and we look forward to talking to you guys soon.